Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor, brought to you by Heart and Soul Broadcasting Services. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with Sheikman Wellington Timbura, a young entrepreneur. If you enjoy this conversation, remember to subscribe, to like, and share. Let's get down to some business. Check Mo Wellington Timbora, welcome to In Conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Sir Trevor. It's an honor to be on the platform. It's, it's an honor to have you here. Um, shall we share our little fight behind the scenes? Definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Because Before, I, I think there, there are a lot of things to learn actually from, from, that, from that fight. So you, you, I said to you, uh, Sheikh Mob, can you send me a CV uh, mm -hmm. and a bio and stuff? And you sent me this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to you. I was actually upset. And I said to you, to you. I could see in your message. Yeah, I said, uh, Sheckman, you've sent me stuff with a lot of good English. But uh, this thing doesn't tell me who you are. Definitely. And I'll tell you what. Mm -hmm. um, I've realized that you are 31 years old. Exactly. I've realized that there's a lot of things that our young people are missing. That's true. Um, young people can't write letters that's true to apply for it that's true that's true <laughs> uh young people can't write cvs so when i saw this lot, this is very good english by the way thank you so much <laughs> but when thank i'm done so with reading it uh, reading it i'm still asking myself the question who is shekmo wellington timbura mm -hmm. i'm glad you're here definitely so who, who is shekmo wellington timbura thank you so much thank you so much for the opportunity and also thank you to your subscribers that are, are constantly uh following and what i would say is like you said we had a back and forth uh, prior to this meeting that we are having and i would be very honest it also made me to learn a lot of things and to also highlight things that i can share with the viewers so that they can be able to grasp what i learned from where say trevor was coming from you know, we are a generation, like you're saying, that has failed to embrace the ethics of being a professional to the point that, like you have highlighted, writing a letter is a challenge. And uh, even writing a curriculum vitae is a challenge. We were brought up in a situation whereby a curriculum vitae is simply supposed to be written by a person applying for a job. And it has never really been taught to us that even an entrepreneur, despite you being a business owner, you also need your curriculum vitae. No matter who you are, you need it for number one, for checks and balance, to be able to understand what you have covered and how much you have, how far you have gone with life pertaining, mm -hmm. pursuing your goals. So when you ask me that question, when you say, I've read good English, but still, I am still finding it difficult to understand. That gave me a highlight of a lot of things that I've been able to do in my life that have not been properly recorded mm. simply because we never had those big brothers mm. that are teaching us or even advising us on how to do it. Mm. And surprisingly, surprisingly, there's no course, there's no diploma, there's no degree that covers that part of education, mm. Mm. whereby we are taught how to actually present ourselves professionally and our etiquette when it comes to writing skills and everything is perfect. 
Mm. And to make it worse, right now you're talking about writing letters. There is now also the effect of artificial intelligence. <laughs> yeah. A person can write something, but it's not actually that person is actually wrote that thing. So mm. I learned a lot of things from that. And I would also say to, to young people that are listening, let's be robust and relentless in investing ourselves in the reading culture mm. so that we can have our vocabulary better and understand English in a much more better mm. way. But it's also basic etiquette, you know. True. If you feel compelled to write a letter mm -hmm. to me, mm -hmm. then take your time in finding out how to write a letter. That's definitely I mean, that's true. You, that's you true. won't believe this, uh, Sheikh mm -hmm. Mo. I have um, at least once a week, mm -hmm. somebody who's applying for a job, and all they do mm -hmm. is to attach uh, their CVs mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Not even DSA. And, and I'm, I'm like, you're serious? You're wanting a job? Delete. Exactly. And also, the aspect of respect it's no longer there in our in our generation. But why, Sheikh Mo? I, I'll give you a very good illustration. Ever since we, I think starting from 1985, coming upwards, the people that were born in that particular generation, we have faced a lot of challenges that have affected, number one, even our orientation and our perspective about life. Starting from the point, like you said, the way people apply for jobs, is not really coming from a point of innovation, but a point of being taught this is what you're supposed to do. So people are applying and people are writing CVs. It's so surprising that a person who writes his CV, most of the people that apply for jobs, they are not the people who actually authored the CV. What they only have there is the credentials and the name. But the person who did the writing of the CV, not many graduates are writing their own CV. There's mm -hmm. someone somewhere in a cafe that they can simply go there. Can you please write me my CV? I've got my five levels and stuff like that. So that person has done that over and over again. There's no it's, longer the spirit I, I think of creativity. It's, I'm comfortable with somebody who realizes I can't write a CV. True. Let me ha true. let me get the help. That's true. But the, the, there's a lot of people that I, I mentor, uh, mm -hmm. Sheikh Mo, mm -hmm. and I find that the starting point is, let me teach you how to write a letter. True. DSA. True. Yours faithfully or yours True. sincerely. Definitely. Were you guys not taught this stuff at school? We, we, we were taught these things from school. But from the people, you see, it's like, okay, let's talk about the generation that started yeah. meaning the 2003 coming upwards. My 2000. Exactly. The people that are actually teaching them are the people I of my see. age. I don't even know how to write a letter. So even if I'm an English teacher, I'm teaching them for the sake of them just having a good grade, but not for understanding the etiquette and the importance of writing a letter. I was laughing recently when you told me about that. I went and I was reading letters that were written by uh, the late uh, former president of South Africa, uh, Nelson Mandela. If you look, number one, even starting from the handwriting, the handwriting of your generation and the handwriting of our generation. Even if we go as far as signatures. Can you write, guys? Can you do handwriting? We, we can't. <laughs> we can't. You see, very few people from our generation can actually use those uh, ink paints. Mm. We can't. So a, a number of people, including um, people that I respect, reached mm. out to me and said, have you tried talking to this young man called Sheikh Mortimbura? Wow. So I started looking around. <laughs> and then I, when you sent me this, I said to myself, but, ah, this guy. I mm -hmm. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, for me, Mbinga, uh, I was, I was uh, having a good laugh with my PA. Mm -hmm. to me, for me, Mbinga is somebody who has become wealthy 
but we can't see how they go There's about no trace it. to okay. the way they have So when successful. you gave me this good English, I'm like, wow, I think this guy is a binger. This guy has never done anything. He's mm. found somebody to write good English, good English for, for him. But you've actually done some good stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So can we, can we go there? Mm -hmm. When did you start in business? And how did you start in business? Where did you f get your first seed money to start a business? And what okay. was that? Uh, thank you so much for that opportunity for me to explain myself and uh, what I've been able to do over the past few years of my life. So basically, my life started uh, at a very good note of having a parent who was God-fearing, who was my mother. And uh, it's very unfortunate, but to a certain extent, I think it was a privilege that God gave me to learn life the different way of being raised by a single mother in the absence of a father figure. Uh, so she raised us in a way that she did everything in her power to be able to give us the best life that she could afford. And my mother, she's a civil servant until today. She's a teacher. She Right now she's teaching in Manikaland at a very at a government school. So you understand how civil servants live, starting from even 1990s when I was born. So she raised us, and at a very young age, we never really had a very solid relationship from my father's side. And the most unfortunate thing was my father was actually the breadwinner of where he was coming from. He was the big brother that everyone was looking up to. And he also served in the ZDF. And because of the nature of his job, he was rarely home. And he also then had the effect of having many wives. So we learned, we grew up knowing that we have got siblings. In our family, when our father passed away, when my father passed away, I realized that there were 21 other kids other than When me did and my your sister. father pass away? He passed away in 2000. Okay. So, you know that type of a life whereby your mother does everything to make sure she supplies for you. So, we are two in our family, me and my sister. My sister was born in 1982 and I was born in 1992. So, my sister had the privilege of going to a boarding school because my mother, by that time, they were getting decent salaries and everything was okay. So, what then happened was she was teaching around Marangi area. So what would happen, she would wake up every Monday morning around past 4 or 5 a.m. Then she would go to the lift. And then for her to be able to have sufficient funds to sustain us, she would not commute every day. So she would go to school the whole weekend. Then she would come back home on Friday. Wow. So I would then be left home with the child, my, who was my child minder and my grandmother. So I was in the custody of my child minder much of my time and my grandmother. And then my sister was in the boarding school. So I started seeing at a very young age, I started seeing when my mother is not there, even if she has bought groceries, but if there's an immediate thing that is required at home, we only have the maid and the grandmother. The grandmother cannot do anything. The maid would just explain this, this thing that is needed. So we'd have to wait for my mother to come back on Friday. Then that thing would be then. If it's the pantry, it will then be replenished. So that then started giving me a sense of trying to find if I can get a dollar. Even before she comes back, I have to make sure I replace. If it's sold, I replace it. So it gave me a sense of responsibility at a very young age. To the point that, now I'll be very honest, so that some people can learn from my own mistakes. You have to be honest throughout definitely, today. Definitely. Otherwise, you, we're going to catch you out. Definitely. <laughs> so, you know gambling? Yes. So... I started learning gambling, whereby I would go and play. How old cards. were you when you started? I think I was around thirteen. Okay, 
13, 14. What kind of gambling was this? You know, the gambling of playing cards. Yeah. Whereby okay. you play, playing Chris Five, and then if I win, you give me a dollar. If you win, I give you a dollar. And then we had another one. Had, we, we call it, you know, the Jack Jackson. So, so mm-hmm. they are playing cards. Mm-hmm. You split them into two. When mm-hmm. you split them into two, I'll pick a card. Mm-hmm. So, if I pick a card, I'll say, Jack, a Jack of Black Spades is going to come on my side. So we are playing. So you are the one who's going to be. I split the cards and then I pick a card without seeing. So you'll be dropping the cards this side, this side, this side. If the card comes to my side, you'll pay me. So I started, I started playing those games. And I became a very good guy in that game. To the mm-hmm. point that I would raise at least $5, $10. That was enough for me to be able to go and buy one, two, three, four things. And I would make sure my mother is not aware of that. Wow. Right. So that... That wired me to then become to ex, to get exposure to the street type of lifestyle, whereby you have to earn the money that you spend, not because your mother is not providing, but because you want to have a better life mm-hmm. that you cannot afford to have at that particular time. Mm-hmm. So you then find other means that you do. So when that happened, then what, I when, sorry to budge in. At that time, were you going at school? Were you going to school? I was going to school. What grade were you doing then? I think I was now grade six, getting into grade seven. Okay, right. So, so you you gamble after you after work. You play cards after work for money. And, and sometimes stuff. you know, in primary school, what you do is you'd go to school and then after one, you're done with school. So the time between one o'clock to six o'clock before I go home, that's the time I'll do all this in Okay. And then even when I then went to secondary school, I was learning at a school that is called Ellis Gladio. So Ellis Gladio is in Sakuba. And then I was staying in Dangamfara. That's where we, we stay. So Sakuba is the, it's like the Mbari of Harare. So gambling is now done at a bigger scale in Sakuba because of the type of setup. It's like Makokoba in Blawai. Mm-hmm. So, when I was now, so now I now had the advantage of being given busway. Mm-hmm. So I'll be given busway for a week. So sometimes I would say, okay, I've got busway for a week. And there were people who would be walking from Dangamvura to go to Sakuva by foot. Mm-hmm. So from one, I was not really doing the walking. Then I started saying, okay, I can actually use this money as my capital for whatever venture I want to do. Mm-hmm. Let me keep this busway. When I keep this busway, I'll get into town. When I get in, when I, I'll get to school, when I go to school, I would have saved the money. And I can use this money, I can gamble. And in Sakuva now, there are these guys, now you can stand there. And then they'll be playing these games whereby they can have cups and they've got oh, balls. Yeah, and yeah. then you pick. So that was now another level of gambling. So I'll go there. And what those guys do is, they give you a sense of feeling like you're winning. You're winning, yeah. And then right. boom. Exactly. So the first day, I think they realized that this young man is always passing through. So I, I, I would go there and I would observe. I would go there and I would observe. And I would go there and I would observe. So these guys, they had done that for a very long time. They know students that are learning in this particular school. They've got busway. So the day I went there, first day what they did to me was they made sure I won. And I never lost that day. So in my mind, I was like, no. So people who say these guys are scammers are lying. How come these guys allowed me to go home? With your money. With my money. And this money is actually doubled. This money can actually take me the whole month without even requesting for bus fee. And unbeknown to me, this was actually now me being really entrenched. So I went home. I spent the money. And you know when you are given money and you spend it willy-nilly as you want. You don't feel like the person who's on the other end of the stick cheated you in any way. So even if you come back tomorrow, you are now blindfolded, not even see. So the following day, I didn't go there because I was, I was, I was well-moneyed. I didn't go there. And then the second day, I went there. You know, say, Trevor, I lost. I only won once. 
and I was now losing all the money that I would I'd won, right? And then I lost everything. And it was at that point I realized that okay, so I need to keep on getting more money to keep on playing. Now I was around form two somewhere there. And those experiences, they made me to see people who do under the Berua, flea markets. You go there, you'd see. And I then developed a skill whereby I would run away from school if I realized that there's a teacher who's not around. I would go and sit with these guys. And then these guys would allow me to sit on their tables and I'll be shouting in the flea market. You know, they, they order, 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 order. I know all those things. So I'd go there. If I say, I'll get a commission. So school was no longer my, my priority. Because now, if I go to school, I've got money more than other students. Mm. I can spend more than you can, you can mm. spend. Mm. And it was at that point I started learning. I learned it from the streets, but I started understanding to say, I can never be able to sustain a lifestyle if I don't have something that gives me money to spend. Mm. My mother is getting a salary from work, but at the same time, she's not getting sufficient to be able to supply for us, mm. though she's trying her best. Mm. And the other person who gave me life lessons that I will never forget is a, her father, my grandfather. Mm. He had a farm. You know those 99-year lease mm. farms. Mm. So every I'm, I'm going to stop you there sure. so that we take a break. So when we come back, I'm, I'm looking forward to Thank hearing you. that story Thank you. of uh, the lessons that you got from uh, your, your grandfather. So please don't go away. Join us after this break. So I've always been a person, if I see someone who knows something that I, some, who has got something that I don't have, I know that person knows something that I don't know. Greetings. My name is Trevor Nube, host of In Conversation with Trevor. Zimbabwe's most engaging conversational show. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. We've brought before your screens change makers from arts, business, and politics, and from the region. Please join our growing community of viewers. Subscribe, like, and share. Welcome back to our conversation with uh, young entrepreneur. Shekmo Wellington Timbura. I forgot to ask you, by the way, Wellington, where does that name come from? <laughs> it's a very interesting story. So my father was uh, in the army. He was an avid reader. I think because of the way, that's what I got from his little brother, because I didn't really have much time to talk to him because I was young. But when I then started asking and inquiring what kind of a person was he and what kind of a man was he, he, he had the privilege of sharing a friendship with a lot of some of the greats that we have, the likes of uh, uh, Tongo Gara, the likes of Chitepo. They were kind of in that clique. So they are people who self-taught. So he was, I was told he was an avid reader of Shakespeare. That's where actually my name was coined from. Wellington. Right. Then he wanted to give me a funny name. And that name was his name that he used within the war. He was called Spider. So he wanted to give me the name. is my second name, Spider, Spider, Spider. So my mother couldn't agree with that because my mother, she's a teacher. Mm. She also had that, uh, that uh, soft spot for the British English. Mm. So I think there was a guy called Say Wellington. Mm. I'm yet to really study about that, that person. So that's where it comes So my mother the then said, you from. name him Shakespeare <laughs> like you want. And then I'll name him Wellington. That's how I ended up getting the, the name mm. Wellington. And so you're t sharing the story of uh, the lessons you got exactly. from your grandfather. Shall we go there? So my grandfather, he was a builder. And he used to he used to break to us that I'm part of the people that built uh, 
there's a the Morgan Morgan School. Mm-hmm. He is part of the people that do that in Arabic. Mm-hmm. So he would always break to us that I'm a builder. So he was a man who was able to establish his life. What is his name? He was remember? called John. Okay. Yeah, John Jirivengwa. That mm-hmm. was his name. So he he had a very functional farm, and he had a privilege that because of his jobs that he did, he was part of the people that also founded as a contractor, a person who was contracted with Willardale mm. back in the day. Mm. So he had that entrepreneurial mindset. So he had his farm, he had his cattle. I remember those days when we were young, my mother would make sure every holiday we go to my grandfather's And our father's it's side, a farm, sorry. A farm, exactly. Mm. Our father's, my father's side, we never had a farm. We had, you know, those reserves in Sarpinda. Mm, mm. So it's just a very small place. If you want to go do farming, Kununuzuma Garden. So mm. go to my garden. Mm. So my mother knew where these guys can actually learn life is from her side. So we'd go there. He would teach us how to mill keto, how to head keto. That's when I started understanding the paddock system. That's when I started understanding the aspect of doing agriculture, how to hold that gauge uh, or the say, plow. Exactly, the plow. How do you adjust with really deep? How do you adjust? All those things I learned from my father's, my grandfather's side. So, and he had uh, those grinding millimules. So I started learning the concept of business mm. from there. So people would travel from all the farms to come to his farm and then they would do their, so would go there and would be servicing the, so you, you were supposed to be accountable. If it's your duty to be in the millimule, you go there and you have to know the number of the people that came and the number of the people that you've been able to service. Mm. And then after that, you'd be accountable of the money that you've that been received. So you have to make sure that money is in a safe place. And then after the whole day has been done, you would make sure all the residue from the millimule, you make it stock feed. So it was the so you of the use person. everything exactly. So it was the duty of the person who was there to make sure that stock feed. You then make sure you pro, you prepare it properly now for the fowl, mm. and then you teach us how to skin, how to kill a kettle, and the importance of the leather skin, how to dry it, and wow. how to make sure wow. you teach us so all those you, things. So you you you've gone through this life as a young person, exactly you're gambling, and then you you've this exactly. from your grandfather. Exactly. And, and my question then is. When do you actually start your first business and where do you get the money to start exactly. your first business? So, me going to Sakuva in Dangamvara by foot, that's the time the United Nations was now talking about global warming during that time. And by that time, our country was plunged with a lot of load shedding. Mm-hmm. And those that come from Dangamvara, they know Dangamvara is more like in a valley. So for you to cross over to Sakuva, there is a mountain. So no one is Bagomo. So people would migrate from their houses in area 14, area 16 from Dangamvra, and then they'll start chopping down trees in the mountain. If you would look at that tree around 2004, 2006, 2007, 2008, it was green. But during that time, because of the electricity crisis, the deforestation was happening at a very, very robust rate. And we went for a debate from Elise, because I was a good debater. So we went for a debate where we were debating about climate change and the disadvantages of climate change and the problems. And that's when I started learning about the thing called uh, clean energy mm-hmm. and LPG gas. Mm-hmm. And by that time, the only company that was doing that, it was uh, it was not yet rebranded Zoa. They were giving people, so people would go with their canisters. And every service station would have these small outlets whereby people would come and go there and then they would fill up their things. By those days, it was not popular. 
So me, I'm looking, okay, so this entire mountain, people are cutting down trees. And these guys are saying this is going to be prohibited. And by that time, that's when Emma started to become popular. And mm -hmm. the tickets that were coming from Emma those days mm. were very high. Mm. So I was now realizing, okay, so there's need. Where I was coming from, there was no one in Dangambro supplying gas. Because mainly you would see gas depots, small gas depots at the service station. So I knew, okay, so this, this thing, in Dangambro, there's no one with that thing. And this thing can actually burn, this thing can, can actually cook. And by that time, internet was now becoming very popular and YouTube was becoming very popular. So I started researching about that. And I remember doing an investigation of how much a gas tank costs and how to fill up a gas tank and how to dispose it. And the risk that was there was this thing can explode. And we were told this thing is like a bomb. So I was prohibited to, because one day my mother, I, I, I got a canister that was empty and I was studying it. So how do you actually put liquid? I didn't understand the concept of liquid. How, how is this thing liquid? It is just like gas. So my mother saw me doing that. She thought I'm going to, cause by that time, I remember people were not really well educated. So people would burn houses with gas. So my mother actually prohibited, don't touch that thing. Mm -hmm. Then I got the prices of the gas thing. By that time, I think they were around, the current dollars, I think they were around, around, $15 somewhere there, a small canister of $3, of 3 kgs. So I bought my first 20 kg canister. I didn't tell anyone. And then I, I had a friend of mine who was called David Mkwekwezeke who stayed in Sakuba. So I kept that gas tank at his place. And then I raised, I think I, re, I raised something around $20, the current value. And then I went to my mother. To my mother, I then shared, if I can be able to do this, I was in Form 3, if I can be able to do this, Form 3 getting to Form 4, if I can be able to do this, this can actually give me money. So my mother, by that time, she was doing extra lessons. So people would come at our house and then she would teach those students and then she would have money. So because I was, by that time, I was so stubborn to the point that I was not going to church. Yet she was the youth advisor. So she wanted to win me over that if she gives me the money, of what I want, I would go to church with her on Sunday. So she gave me hundred dollars, and that by that time, you know, those hundred dollars, I think she had received money from UK, but it came as I don't know if it was pounds or dollars, but she gave me a hundred dollar bill note, US. Yes, and then I treasured that money. I kept that money for about two months. When I kept that money for about two months, then I found someone who could, because I was not allowed to go and buy because I was young. So I had found someone, David's big brother was the one who then helped us, was called Obey, to go and buy on our behalf. And then I transported that thing. And for me to be able to transport that thing with the, with the commuter on the bus, no one wanted it in the, in the, in the commuter on the bus. So we got a wheelbarrow with my friend. We drove that wheelbarrow all the way from Sakuva to Nangamvura. And now I was going door to door to say, this thing is very good. You should use it this way. So I started by doing door to door. Even until today, if you go where I came from, there are people I used to sell gas from our own neighborhood. So that's how I started. So then, fast forward. Uh, so this is then what became... Um, energy Plus. Energy Plus. But by that time, it was not Energy Plus. It then became Energy Plus when I met my good friend, Rhinos. Rhinos was Rhinos said there before. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So Rhinos Mauza had the expertise of working in the corporate world. And Rhinos Mauza had worked with uh, Zua. And I think he was part of the people that were actually managing the portfolio that does gas. 
So we met and then we are convening, we are communicating and we, he's like a big brother to me. I learned a lot from him and I'm still learning a lot from him. And it's like that, our relationship, he learns from me some things and I also learned from him. So he's the guy who then brought the concept of actually having a proper business model. It was, I'll give it to Rhinos. He's the person who actually taught me a company can be registered like this. All I knew was for me to have a dollar in my pocket, I need to be able to find something to sell this one. If I sell this money to this one, and there was no accountability, there was no systematic way to that thing. So when we found, with, when, we, when I met up with Rhinos, that's when we registered Energy Plus. After registering Energy Plus, that's when we started understanding, okay, Rhinos was coming from a concept of understanding the corporate side of it mm. and the expansion, how it can be scalable up. That's how Energy Plus was founded. Wow. With Rhinos Mauser, and until today is my partner. Wow. And we also went on to even became partners in Pico Constructions and Tech24 and we are working like So that. tell me, what's your partnership like in uh, in Energy Plus? So my partnership like in Pico Construction... No, is, Energy Plus, what do you yeah, own? I'll come back what, to Energy yeah, Plus. Okay. So in Energy Plus, because of my vested interest in the energy sector, it's something that I then studied until I got to the up of the that chain market where gas comes from from russia gas from from saudi arabia how the vessels are chartered how to get lines of credit how to be able to fund and then supply because in our sadak region we are not we are failing to produce sufficient lpg gas that can sustain our region to the point that south africa sasso used to do well but right now i think they are only doing about thirteen thousand metric tons a month and the demand of south africa on its own especially now with the issue of the ESCOM crisis, the load shading, the demand is high mm -hmm. and the supply is very little. So okay. much of the gas we're using in Africa is actually imported out of Africa. Okay. So I became the person of the day-to-day -day runnings of, that, uh, of Energy, Energy Plus. Plus. Mm -hmm. Rhinos at the same time is so passionate about construction. So it's the day-to-day -day runnings of, of, of Pico. Pico Constructions. So do you own 50-50 of these companies? What, what's That's the, the type of setup we have. Okay. Yeah, with Rhinos. Formalized and everything. Formalized everything is okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's how we, we came up with Energy Plus. And we then realized, okay, in the downstream of gas, there's a lot of competition. That's when we started scaling. So up there, what happens there? Because I'm, I'm always trying to understand, if I'm doing business here, the people above of us, where I'm getting the product, where are they getting it? Mm -hmm. If I can find a way of relating with them and learning from them, and then they welcome the, me in their particular network, then it allows me to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. So I've always been a person, if I see someone who knows something that I, some, who has got something that I don't have, I know that person knows something that I don't know. So I'm, I'm willing to be a student. And then if I become a student, I learn. And then that's how my life has been progressing. So you, um, you are into um, energy with exactly. uh, Energy Plus. Mm -hmm. You are into real estate. What company is into real estate that you own? It's Pico Construction. Pico Construction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mining. It's, uh, is it Pavim? Pavim Gold, yeah. Pavim Gold. Pavim Gold, yeah. Uh, and manufacturing? Manufacturing, we are doing SOP. You okay. know SOP manufacturing? Yeah. So we are doing SOP. It's called Infinity. Where, where are you doing that? In Masasa. In Masasa. Yeah. And all that, uh, the, the funding, have you gotten loans from a bank or this is from the gambling, from the LPG? <laughs> Talk to us about that. Because young people watching you who are being impressed by what you're saying, mm -hmm. want to know exactly where you got the money to to, to, to start all these businesses. Definitely. So mining, For I, I think I'm interested more in mining. How did you get into, my, into mining? Right. You see, mining sector, how I got into mining is uh, I share a very close relationship with Prophet Makandiwa. So Prophet Makandiwa is a man who is also heavily invested in the mining sector. 
And uh, I learned a lot by being around his environment as a businessman. And it was that, like they say, if you spend good enough time with a good miner or with a good farmer, you also become a good farmer. So I started understanding, because of my inquisitive, inquisitiveness, I started understanding, okay, so besides farming, under this earth crust, there are other minerals that are valuable. So it was that exposure that allowed me to learn mining, not using my own money. Mm -hmm. So you are having a senior person who's doing what he's doing, and he gives you the privilege of observing how they do business. Right. And you learn from there. So when you are sitting there and you're learning, you start to understand, like, for example, in the mining sector, there are different ways and modalities of getting into mining. Most people, the reason why they don't make it into mining is because they get into mining without a proper mentor who mentors them how mm. to become a miner. Mm. Most people, they are just obsessed with numbers. Mining, you can get into mining as a person who's supplying consumables that are required by mining, by miners. Okay. You start from the, 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 the gear that they wear, the work suits, the gumboots, the helmets. Those things are supplied and that's part of mining. You can get into mining as a person who's basically doing the service providing. Mm. You've got companies like KW Blasters. You've got companies like Godard. Mm. Godard is not a miner, but Godard supplies mm. equipment that is required by So what are, you, what are you doing in mining? Personally, I started from acquiring a mine mm -hmm. myself. Claims. After acquiring my mines, I then started doing small scale miners. Where do you acquire this? Where do you acquire I've it? got my uh, claims in Chekutu. I've got claims in Kwekwe. I've, cla I've got claims in Mazor. 31-year-old Sheikh Mo Wellington Timbura has claims. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Do you have do you have a, a big politician that's behind you or you're doing this on <laughs> your own? <laughs> that's a question I always uh, get asked. This is what I have to say. As a big brother, say Trevor, we... I, I think let's take a break. Then. Okay. And when we come back, um, don't go away. Uh, Sheikh, Sheikh Mo is going to respond to that question. Does he have a political godfather that's finding these uh, minds and businesses for him. So please, join you on the other side. Firstly, I would say that was not my goal. But uh, that that thing happened during the gold mafia, mafia thing. Welcome back to our conversation with young entrepreneur Sheikmo Wellington Timbura. So Sheikmo, before we took a break, you were I asked you the question, do you have a political godfather <laughs> who's 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 opening doors for you? Yeah, that, that's what I think it's, it's a very interesting question and uh, I I I'll answer it with very with pleasure so that people can understand. So my relationship with political figures started after me being listed in the Forbes magazine. So when Forbes reached out to say, we have heard your story, like you're saying, you had people recommending this guy, this guy. So they reached out. And I'm a person who believed in just living a life that is subliminal and that is just private. So I denied Forbes for two years. Because I didn't see the benefit of me being listed there. Because I, I, in my own small mind, I knew it would give people a certain impression, 
which, which might be true, but under 30 is not like you're a billionaire. They are looking at the potential and the business that you've been able to work with, and they identify those young people across Africa, and then they list their stories. So I said, no, I don't want this limelight because this is not right for me. But then I had rhinos on us, was one of the people who actually could say, when it comes to profiling, this is a good thing to have. Because Forbes magazine, they are a credible source. They are people who do their due diligence. This is one thing that you need in your portfolio. So we had a fight with that. Until I had respectable people that told me, no, this is actually something that you, can go, which you need to go for. So when I went there, we did everything. They did their due diligence until I found myself to be on the cover of the magazine. So this is one thing that I respect about the media fraternity, what you do. Not many people understand the role that is played by the media to shape the picture or the narrative of a, store, of a person or a nation. When you have got journalists that are so diligent in their work, journalists are educators of the masses. And if you allow them their space to do their work, they are there to ask the right questions that the, that the masses need to be able to be educated upon. So when they came, they narrated my story in the Forbes magazine. Mm. And the outreach of Forbes magazine, Forbes magazine is huge. To the point that I started re receiving calls and invites from places I only used to dream about. And I would go to platforms like Jitex, you'd go to platforms in, 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 in Dubai, you'd go to platforms in South Africa, out of Africa, in China. And they're asking you about the energy, because I, I was listed in the energy sector. So because that's one thing that's upcoming and that's the future, the, the invites are many in that space because they want to understand what is the African interpretation of clean energy? How do they see the electric vehicles? So you're going there and by the time you are being invited there, these people, they have got an agenda that is 50, 50 years ahead of Africa. So I was now caught in a, in, in a hard rock and a whole place whereby I'm looking at the system like in Africa, we don't even have any one country that is having a solid network of gas supply like we have in UK. Mm. In UK, people top up gas the same way they do electricity mm. in Africa. Mm. We, in Africa, we don't have that. Mm. So you can see the gap between Africa and other continents. Mm. So I started getting access to big offices, big people, bankers. That's when I started learning about things like lines of credit. What is a line of credit? Mm. You're, so, you're answering my question. Exactly. You have a Exactly. <laughs> so after that, I started receiving invites from different governments, including our own government, to say if this young man was able to be listed in the Forbes magazine, which means he can be able to contribute to things that pertain to entrepreneurship and youths. So that's when I, was, I received my first invite from our own president to say I would need to have a meeting. When was that? That was in 20, just after 2017, mm -hmm. just after the elections. Mm -hmm. So I went there for the first time. I met him and he was asking me, so what made you to become listed in the Forbes magazine? Mm -hmm. We've read about this book. We've always been reading about this book. So I was sharing my mind with him. And he was asking me, what do you think is the best thing to be done for the youths in Zimbabwe to be fruitful? So I was giving him the real situations that are happening within the youths. Youths, we don't have access to capital. We don't have access to lines of credit. We don't have access to collaterals that are required by the banks. And I remember in that discussion, we were discussing about the youth bank. I said other nations, they've what they call the youth bank, whereby the government deliberately funds that coffer so that youths can be able to come and pitch. And then if the idea is bankable, the government then comes in and then support that kind of initiative that the youth has come up with. And I was happy that was implemented. But 
because of the volatility of our politics, what I've observed over the years with that particular entity, it's only mostly Zanpiyavian people who go there. But that initiative is basically supposed to benefit everyone, whether you are from which political party. So is the president your godfather? Yes, he is my godfather. He's your godfather. Yeah, he's my godfather. Even in business. Even in business. I've okay. learned a couple of things from him. And for the fact that he is almost the same age of my father, I look at him from a point of a father figure. Mm. And I respect him in that regard. Mm. And so so when, we, when I'm saying he's a godfather, mm. is he, do you represent some of his interests? No, Does no, he no. open doors for you? No, no, no. no. Okay. No, no, so no. when you're saying godfather, try and unpack that for me. What, what, what when when I say godfather, is. For a head of state, or for a person to become a head of state, it means they possess a certain strength that has propelled them until they become the first citizen of a nation. Mm. So I'm a person who's obsessed with documentaries of great people. So him being a head of state, it means there's something that he has knowledge over. Mm. That if I'm ever going to become successful in any endeavor I venture into, mm. there are traits that I can be able to pick. So he became he, he becomes a godfather from the point that if I have an opportunity or if I've got something that I feel like this is complicated, I need to understand. You take it to him. I take it to him and I ask him, you being there where you are, how were you able to acquire your success? Because you were in the systems of this nation starting from a very young age. How were you able to make it from that age? How were you making decisions as a minister of justice? And he helps you without exactly. expecting to With, be your partner? Exactly. No, 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 not even. Okay. Not even. You, you, there's a perception, uh, mm -hmm. Sheikh Mo, uh, which I beckled with as mm -hmm. I was uh, planning to have this uh, conversation with mm -hmm. you. There's a perception that you are a beneficiary mm -hmm. of uh, the president's uh, political clout, mm -hmm. that you are a ZANU-PF youth <laughs> uh, who is... Uh, benefiting corruptly mm -hmm. uh, from being associated with the president or the party. Mm -hmm. Do you want to respond to that? Definitely, I would, I would definitely respond to that because it will help people to understand. You see, one thing that has been distorted within our country and also even in Africa at large is the failure to separate the president and the presidency. There is, the presidency is the functionality of the office of the presidency. And this, it, it, it comes with different people, different departments, which is what we call the OPC, Office of the President of the Cabinet. And then there is the president who is the steering person in that particular, if it's a term, is the steering person over the president. So when you become, let's say as a young person, when you become successful and your story is shared out there, whether you're a footballer, I, 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 can, I, can, I can acknowledge some of the young people that we yeah, have. Yeah, sure, we've absolutely. We've got Nakamba, mm -hmm. we've got mm. and we've got even Temba Magurimbo, mm. the UFC fighter. If you see the backlash those my brothers got just by them having a picture with the head of state, him being the candidate of ZANPF, is another thing, but him being the head of state is another thing. Mm. Though he still has the interests of ZANPF, but if I'm coming to relate with him, I'm coming to relate mm. with the person who goes to the United Nations representing my country. But also, mm. I, I, I get you, and mm -hmm. I, I would love us to live in a society where the office of the president mm -hmm. and the person of mm -hmm. the president mm -hmm. and the state and the party are divided. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, that's not the case here. So here's the thing. Mm -hmm. People are going to see you um, 
in a wheat farm mm -hmm. with the president. <laughs> yeah. And they are not wrong in assuming you are in partnership They're not in wrong. agriculture They're not. with the president. They're not. People are going to see you with the president in a factory. The mm -hmm. president is taking a lot of interest in you, which mm -hmm. he doesn't take in mm -hmm. a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sheikh Mo, the president has sons who are in business. Mm -hmm. Is Sheikh Mo benefiting from this? <laughs> so that's the quandary mm -hmm. that a young man like you has. Mm -hmm. Are you a genuine businessman? Mm -hmm. or you are benefiting from your association mm -hmm. with the president mm -hmm. and his sons. Mm -hmm. What's your response to that? You see, my response to that will be, I, 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 would, I, would, I would want you, if you can allow, to create us a platform of finding young people from any walks of life. And then we can have a class whereby we nature those young people to become business people, pragmatically, okay. and you be the adjudicator. Okay. Because you see... It's, it's like the wheat farm that you're talking about. Yeah. How that picture came about, we, as a country, we were facing a challenge of no sufficient supply of wheat. So I was on Good Morning Zimbabwe, and I was being asked about, that's when the Black Sea region war started. And I was advocating, and I was saying, if we don't, as Zimbabwe, if we don't invest in our wheat agriculture, we are going to suffer because the tensions that are rising, rising in the Black Sea region, Ukraine and Russia are the major suppliers globally of wheat. Zimbabwe will be a drop in an ocean for them to consider supplying us when the tensions really. So are the president then up. visited your farm. It was not. It was actually his farm. His farm. He invited right. you to his farm. Exactly. So, I was now. Uh, there was a challenge of quail beds. So the previous season. Farmers were struggling with quail beds. And I was saying, there's this concept I saw in, I saw in Israel, whereby these guys in their pre precision agriculture, these guys have a way of dealing with quail beds. Because our harvest is Zimbabwe. Majority of it, if you've got 400 hectares of wheat, you are guaranteed at least 100 hectares, you're going to lose it to quail beds. Mm -hmm. So I was giving him things that I had seen because I had gone to Israel and I would seen what, how they deal with quail beds. So I was telling, so the day I told him, that's when he said, do you think these things that you're talking about work? Because you're saying right now what we are doing is people actually have to go and chase out the business. I said, no, no, no. There are now systems and alarms and technologies that can actually allow no one to be in the field. So has he put those systems on the farm? I'm not yet sure if okay. they are now on the farm. So when we were discussing about that, he said, no, 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 no. I think you need to go and let's go and you explain what you, he's, he's a pragmatic person by that, like that. So he takes you the he needs you to explain to him that this thing works like this. Mm, you get mm, the point. Mm. So what then made me probably to seem like you're saying to say, do you have vested interest yeah, or do you have anything? Yeah, yeah. If there's one thing that I can be able to do for my generation, if I've had the privilege of meeting a head of state, which I know it's not a privilege to many young people in Zimbabwe, I should try by all means to prove that as young people, we also have what it takes mentally to support the government and to support the nation so that it can become a, 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 food, a food basket that is with different things that can benefit the young people. But the biggest challenge I face is my big brother, I'll tell you honestly, is you're going to people that have already painted you with a brush politically. So even if you're truthful, I've said this, I remember when I, was, I once had an interview with Ola, I said this, if there are young people who want to get into mining sector, I'm willing to dedicate myself and to even engage the Minister of Mines 
so that we can have a special wing for young people that they can get into mining and different modalities of getting into mining that can be done for young people to also understand What's what been the response is. to that um I've pitched that. The same way I've pitched to say, yeah, my brother. Are, there, are people coming across to you? People come across to me. But, but we are failing to find a way of having a person who's not part of the government to us, to, for us to be able to have something that can be seen by the way that these guys are doing this. That is not politically why? inclined. Why? It's because people, they come with problems. When you come up with a solution, no one wants to follow up. <laughs> so you, you've, you've tabled mm -hmm. two very important national issues, mm -hmm. which to me... Uh, reflect mm -hmm. the toxicity in our in our country. True. So you are seen with the president. Mm -hmm. Trevor looks and says, "Oh, he must be one of the beneficiaries True. of uh, the president's mm -hmm. business and his mm -hmm. sons." Mm -hmm. And like you rightly saying, you know, mm -hmm. people look at you like, for lack of a better word, a Zanopia project. You know, True. you and and they will not touch you. H how do we deal with that? You are thirty-one years old. Mm -hmm. You are very young. Mm -hmm. You could have influence in in getting rid of this toxicity, mm -hmm. so that when I'm sitting with you mm -hmm. and people looking out at you like that, mm -hmm. all they see is Shekmo, mm -hmm. Wellington, Timbura. Mm -hmm. Not uh, is he? It is uh, the untouchable. <laughs> How do we do that? You've got a role in doing that. Is that possible? Are you contributing to it in a way? What what do you think? I mean, I'm asking you too many Definitely. questions because this is a very important no, issue. Mm. You see, you see, as a big brother, my answer will be there is a solution to this. Okay. To this problem, and the solution to this problem is we need to get back to basics, whereby we avail platforms of conversation like this one, but we grow this platform with live audience that is coming from all walks of life. Let's say, for example, we're having a a town hall meeting like this, let's say in Seven Arts, and there are young people that are there that have got real problems that we are going to discuss and table. And if it means we need to take them up to ministers so that they can address them, then definitely they need to be addressed. I can give examples like right now, the president has declared that the drug abuse has become a state, a national crisis. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a generation that is being wasted. In as much as we can laugh about it and everything, but that's not a good thing. Your generation was preserved simply because mm. you had people who were watching over you. As young people right now, we are so entrenched in consumerism. Instead of complimenting each other, we are competing against each other. Instead of me complimenting Rhinos Mouths or complimenting Eugene Peters or complimenting a person of my age or George Billionaire, I'm not going to compliment them because I'm competing with them. Mm. I don't observe and I don't identify their strengths mm. simply because I'm competing with them. You used to have, uh, you know, those movie houses mm. whereby you would go yeah, for a movie house yeah. and you would sit. We no longer have town hall meetings in our generation whereby issues are really debated, discussed. And if it means after that discussion, we come up with things and resolutions that we can, that, that can be handed over to the president. Mm. You, you know, it's like right now where we are, my big brother, we are looking at a man who is now in his second term. And when you come to a person who is in his second term, one thing that probably might be his focus is legacy management. Mm -hmm. Every person, no matter who you are, you need to leave a tangible, credible legacy that your, pe your people benefited from you, mm. right? And when you're dealing with a person like that, after elections, let's agree that, okay, elections are done, elections are gone. What is it that this nation wants for it to give a better life, mm. livelihood for its mm. citizens? Mm. 
we have got a healthcare system that is but almost you, that's a that's a very important thing that mm. you're saying but you'll have some people that say no elections are not done Definitely, elections, elections were stolen but you know uh, big there brother was rigging you know big brother what do you deal with the do, do you know big brother do you know yeah. big brother mm. the past 13 elections we've had in this country have always been disputed mm. is there no homegrown solution to these kind of disputes that we keep on having because if you have noticed how toxic our politics has become, we are talking about uh, the purported interim SG of, of, of Triple C. He recalled people. And in politics, every player in politics will use everything in his, that has been presented by his opponent to his advantage. Mm -hmm. That's the world of politics, mm -hmm. right? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go into the details of that. But if you look at it, now we've got a record that has been called. 15 MPs have been recalled, Right. Those people were supposed to be focusing on developing the constituencies that they voted them into power, right? Now we are going for re-election, right? The funds that are going there, if you look at that particular problem, it's both a triple C problem mm. and it's both a ZANPF mm. problem. Mm. Triple C, because of the strategy of ambiguity, mm. anything that doesn't have a structure, it's in its weakest form. I'm not trying to be biased. I'm just saying facts sure, as they are. Sure. For us to be here, there's a director, there's a producer, there's a structure that we know, mm. right? Had there been a structure, there was never going to be a letter that is coming from nowhere. If you look, if you were looking in Twitter, there was another letter that came that was saying recalling ZPF MPs. Mm. It's known Obed Mpof is the secretary of ZPF, right? Yeah. Then so, we go to um, sorry, last point on that. Sure. Yeah. Then we go to ZPF. Yeah. ZPF is also making sure yeah. if, if 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 these guys are making weak mistakes like this in politics, your opponent is there to make sure mm. they grasp their hold to the strategy of politics as much as they at, can. At the at the risk of damaging the country, both sides. It's both yeah. sides. Let Let me take you to um, a controversial play, a place. Mm. There's um, one ton of. Uh, gold <laughs> bars mm -hmm. video that has been doing the rounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, a number of people had claimed, uh, sorry, the, the, so the gold bars, we're going to share the video uh, mm -hmm. with our audience. Uh, has uh, shaky Zim, shaky team Zimbabwe, mm -hmm. uh, and there's one ton uh, which is supposed to be 54 million. Mm -hmm. Was that your gold? Firstly, I would say that was not my gold, but uh, that that thing happened during the gold mafia mafia thing, and that's what, from my own perspective as an individual. That's what made me to have a lot of doubts on the documentary. Because if you check on the documentary, if you watched it, mm. there was no way my name was mentioned in the documentary. But I'm one person who's known to be in the mind. So your sector. name was not mentioned in the documentary? It's not there in the I tried to look for your name. It's not there, right? But I'm one young man who's known for always being vocal about youth being in mining. And then I'm the same, same young man who's got pictures with the president. And we've got a documentary that is coming and then it's putting the president as the person who's the chief orchestrator of whatever gold looting that was being purported by the, by, by the video. And then, because in the entire documentary, if you looked at it, 
there was no place that proved that gold was smuggled at this point. It was a person with a suitcase and mm. the person is at the airport. And then the narrators of the document are explaining this is how looting is happening in Zimbabwe. But there's no evidence. And one morning I woke up. The whole Twitter was in flames. And my name was everywhere. Right? And I've got plenty messages on my phone. You cannot, you can't tell me that you've got a ton of gold. You know, say Trevor, when it comes to mining, for you as a miner to get a gram of gold, the work that gets into getting a gram, Zimbabwe as a nation, we are producing around 24-30 tons per month. And this is coming from a combination of artisanal miners countrywide, including Frederick Baker, including mm. Blanket, all the mines that we have. And then you've got one individual guy who's got a ton of gold. Come on, do you have a ton? Can only a ton, you know? <laughs> I, since you are here, I would love to have a bit of that. Tell, tell us the truth. So, do you so, have a ton? So I don't have a ton. Mm. So you see, when I saw that video, number one, me not being cognizant of where that video was coming from, but my name is there, and then it's attached and there's a name Zimbabwe. And interestingly, that very same week, I saw other videos with other people's names there. And my question was, okay, so if this was true, how are these people going to dispute these videos that are now surfacing? Mm. Which means we now have a lot of echo chambers that are leading and propelling misinformation mm. to the point that no matter how much hard work you put in in Zimbabwe, never, if you make a mistake or if you are seen standing with any polity, whether it's the VP or whether it's anyone, and you seem to respect them because we are raised in a moral culture which allows me, if I see you, you are more of like a big brother to me, despite your political affiliation. We should be able to do politics, but at the end of the day, disagree, but relate with love and one accord as brothers and as Zimbabweans. Mm. But that is gone to waste. Do you know country. my political affiliation? I, I, unfortunately, I don't. So, so do you think somebody set you up? And if they did, why would they do that? Personally, I've got every reason to believe that someone really is working overtime mm -hmm. and was working overtime to set me up. Because number one, that, 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 that moment, our politics were too volatile because we were heading towards election. And uh, for lack of a better word, how can I not be part of the documentary? But then at the same time, I'm the person with the gold that is circulating on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it, it's a build-up of trying to prove a point. What's the point? The point is gold is being smuggled. There's a person with one ton of gold. And we've got mm -hmm. facilities that are depleting. Mm -hmm. And this person has got... If you check, that tweet was talking about how that, that 60 million can be able to build how many hospitals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And when a person who's not really putting diligent thought to it... He looks at me as a person who's ratless and who doesn't even have any care. And every time, and this is what most people cannot be able to endure. It then takes maturity on your end to say, okay, this is how they see me. But the truth definitely shall make people understand what kind of a person I am. I will not stop doing the good that I can for my country and for the young people that are around me. Simply because there's someone who's trying to tame my image. No. I can't. You're doing some good work in Dagamvura, paying for the education Definitely. of young people and the investors in Zimbabwe. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, what happened was I landed at Shiroa Kangwe Primary School. So some of the things that 
I grew, I know what it means not to have school fees because I experienced that as part of my life. And some of the tuition fee that these kids need to be paid for, it's around $50, $20. So I believe even from the biblical context, God blesses me so that I can be a blessing to someone else. I'm one guy who believes that if I get a privilege, that privilege is so that I can be able to at least open someone's heart and put a little bit of light in his heart of hope and optimism. Mm -hmm. Though at sometimes when you do that, people, like I was saying, the toxicity, they will come and say, you're saying that because you're a beneficiary. But it's something that I've chose to live, I've lived with, and I will not stop doing good simply because there are people who are talking negative about me. No. Those that appreciate me, their prayers are what's just, if I see one person happy, that one person is worthy a million people on Twitter who can be attacking me. I don't have any problem with that. So you would, would you've obviously met some money. Mm -hmm. Have you? A little bit. A little I'm bit. comfortable. You're, you're comfortable. Yeah, I'm comfortable. Um, with these accusations out mm. there of gold smuggling, the allegations that you might be involved, suspicion that you might be involved, the videos that are, are coming out, um, the corruption that's in the country, um, the suspicion that you are in with the president and, and the family in, in business. How do you respond to those allegations? My, my ultimate uh, response will be, you know, when you are close to something, you start to understand what people go through. When I was growing up, I used to read articles about people accused of stealing. You only understand how that is detrimental when you put when you are in that same seat or you are wearing the same shoe that that person was wearing when you were young. So I I I am happy because now I can live to tell a story that it's not everything that we hear and every accusation that we hear that is true. Inasmuch there are some other truthful things that might be said, but every information that you see about an individual, take it with a pinch of salt, investigate, do your own diligence, your own due diligence as an individual. Don't just believe what has been said. Because that's one thing that has really destroyed our, our political environment to the point that if you noticed, most members of parliament are not willing to take up interviews with journalists. Simply because you're going to sit at a watch chair whereby you're being asked a lot of questions that are not truthful. And if you are not eloquent and articulate enough, you leave that place as a person who committed that. But that's the crime. point. That's the point where you actually I mean, what you've done here is beautiful. I mean, I approached Thank you, you after being you. asked. And you've spoke you've spoken your mind. Um, and you're responding to to these accusations. And uh, the other question I'm gonna ask you so to that point of mm -hmm. ministers. I think they are not confident enough to sit where you're sitting. <laughs> you know, I challenge them. There's a few of them that can mm. come and sit there and face me. Um, you know, Chris Mtsonga, perhaps, mm. you know, would sit there and no, I you saw know, your, like, your engagement in, 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 in Vic Forbes. Yeah. Most of them are scared of talking because they are afraid that the president is not going to approve of what they're saying. But you know, what, you, know, you, know, you know what I would say about that? Yeah. As a big brother, listen. The reason why a person is called an honorable member of parliament, yeah. it's a position of honor. And the person, the reason why I believe a person is called his excellence yeah. as a president, it's because of the level of excellence he needs to exude in that particular job. It needs to exude. Exactly. So if a president appoints you a minister, what it means is he has honored you. 
What you need to do as a minister is to give him back the honor by being a person who do, does performance, Pitch up. performance legitimacy. You get the point? Because what happens is, if you are appointed a minister, and after you are appointed a minister, you are not availing yourself to the problems that are there, despite whatever ministry is there, to have interactions with people, to talk with people. What you're doing, you are giving a backlash on the person who appointed you. Exactly. You get the point? Yeah, that, that's a good, good point, Matt. The, 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 the last po point I'm going to ask you mm. before we go to books, mm. uh, you know you're writing a book. Definitely. I would love to hear what books you are reading is. Mm -hmm. This is a stupid question for me to ask you, but still I must ask it. Ask you. <laughs> um, can you put your hand mm -hmm. over your heart mm -hmm. and say the money that you've made mm -hmm. is clean money? Uh, like right now I can put. And clean I can even, money? I can even say in the name no of No blood shed for not, you to get the not money. Not even anything. No corruption for you to get the money. Not anything. One thing that makes me straight up in my life is this. Money gathered by scrupulous means will soon vanish. Unscrupulous means. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll tell you something, say Trevor, whatever that I have in my life is not on me. Even if people are to take it away from me today, if you look for me after three or five months, I'll have it back. You know why? It's not on me. It's in me. I've been wired in a way of seeing opportunities where people think that's a hard rock and a hard place. If I look at the spectrum of Zimbabwe, I look at what the government is doing, the disadvantages I have as an individual and how I can be able to take advantage of any situation that is there legally. And this is why I'm saying, I'm advocating to say, if we can have a town hall meeting, you will be the, the person who will be moderating. I would love that. I will even fund that. We have young people, genuine young people who can come with solid questions. I'm even willing myself to say if we raise issues there, I will use whatever means that I have as a citizen and as a person who's a brother to a young, young guy who doesn't have a job to say, President, we had a conversation. This is the footage of what we discussed. And I'm even willing to open that conversation and even willing to invite his, the head of state to that those, those, those talks because they are important. That's all well and good. But why does it have to take Sheikh more? It doesn't have to take me. I mean, why does it have to take you to do that? Why can't somebody at OPC... Mm. Who's got the interest of this country to do something like that? You, you know the problem that always happens, my big brother, is this. Whatever, every individual, whether you're in OPC, whether you are a citizen, if you are sitting at a place of privilege, do the best you can to help your kinsmen. Absolutely. My goal will be, by the fact that God gave me the privilege of being in the environment of a person who's called the head of state mm -hmm. and other ministers, mm -hmm. even the VP, right, if I can be able to sit with them and convince them that thing, that convincing will come out with a positive impact on our society. Mm. So I'm, I'm taking you on this offer that you're making in public. True. True. You say, let's convene a public dialogue, True. a town hall exactly. that you will fund. Exactly. Okay, this is clean money. Uh, Definitely. You, okay, that's what you're committing to. Definitely. And after that, you will take whatever deliberations Definitely. to the president Definitely. for actioning. Definitely. I'll do that. Shall we shake a hand on that? We can. Wonderful. Thank you On so much. that score, Sheikh Mall, I want to know what books you're reading. I know you're uh, writing a book, like I said, but what, yeah. books are you, what books have you read, rather, that you recommend to our book-loving 
I've, I've, I've read a lot of books. I and, just want three uh, yeah. books. Mm. And uh, one book that I would, I would recommend to everyone who's watching is My Vision, Challenges to Excellence by Mohammed bin Rashid, mm. the, the Prime Minister of UAE. That's a very good book. And then I've also read a book by The New World Order by Ray Dalio. Mm -hmm. He's talking about what's coming, where we are in the financial market. So if a person wanda, wants to understand the economics or how money is being moved and everything that's happening, that's a very good book to read. You've read that book? Yeah, I have. Wow. I have. I'm begging to read it. Really? It's just over me, you know. I've put it aside. No, it's a good book. <laughs> really? It's a good book. Okay, what other book? Then uh, the other book that I would recommend people to read that I've read is The Prince okay. by Machiavelli. Okay. That book makes you understand state and power. Mm -hmm. And when it makes you understand state and power, it's very critical to every person who's in a nation that is governed to understand how power works and how economics work mm -hmm. and how you can strategically position yourself. Because in chess, we say a powerful moves only emanates if you're strategically positioned. Mm -hmm. So if you don't understand politics, as, even as a voter, there's nothing as painful as voting as an ignorant voter. So I believe our people should invest in understanding politics as mm. is. That's what makes us grow in our democracy. Mm. After all this, thank mm. you very much for those books. I, I, as, as you're talking about books, I am reminded to ask you this. Mm. In as brief a statement as possible, mm. what do you think explains where you are right now? What explains the things that you've achieved? What explains the money that's in the bank? Mm -hmm. What explains your confidence? And if you take what I have, mm -hmm. I'll have it in another two or three years. What explains who you are? What explains who I am is the capabilities of the God that I believe in. He is not limited. He is the all-powerful. He is the all-intelligent. So him being my God gives me every right to exhibit all the attributes that he possesses, mm. either be it wisdom, be it intelligence. If I am a beneficiary of him from understanding the Bible, if he could allow people like Peter and the Holy Spirit would say, don't mind of, don't be thoughtful of what you're going to say. When you stand there, I shall make sure your words are eloquent and articulate enough, despite how uneducated you are. So that God, if I look at him and if I read the pages of the Bible and I see what he has been able to do. You've, you've got a degree in theology. Yes. Where did you get this degree from? I did it at Hartfield Institute. Hartfield. Yeah. Okay. Where, where is that? It's led by Apostle Tabgash. Okay. Yeah. Of Hartfield's ministry. So that's where I did my, 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 my theology. theology. Yeah. Wonderful. Sheikh Mo, thank you for being courageous to come and sit before me. Thank and you so thank much. you for the opportunity to have honor. this conversation. So I hope much. it clarifies a few issues that people have. Uh, concerning concerning you, you've answered a couple of questions that um, were in my what that were bothering me. So thank you so much. Thank you, thank so, you much so much for. But there's hope for where we are going. There's, there's hope. hope. There's yeah. absolute hope. If we have big people and mature people like you inviting young people like us on conversations that are very critical like this, it gives me hope. If we if young people like you, yeah, were doing what you're doing, um, this is my first encounter with you. Definitely. So I can't say I know you. So I'm praying to know you and Definitely. know you better. I'll make myself available Wonderful. at all costs. And I've got so many things to learn from you. Wonderful. Let Definitely. me turn over now to our viewers who are all over the world to say thank you for your support. Remember, we are out uh, every Monday.
on YouTube, 7 a.m. Central African Time, 7 a.m. Central African Time. And I invite you to join our 50,000 subscribers by pressing on the subscribe button, share, and like. We've gone a step further and created a website for you where all our content sits. We also have links for your listening pleasure for podcasts. Uh, we read all your comments and we respond to some of them. We love the engagement. Uh, let's continue dialoguing. We can only build this nation and indeed our continent through talking to, to each other. Until next time, cheers to you all. Thank you.